listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today I wanted to take the time to talk about this very important thought of how do you avoid the common pitfalls uh, that the devil uses to destroy the purpose God's given you? Because let me just, let me say from the very outset, every person that's watching me on this broadcast or listening on the podcast, you are number one, anointed by God without question. You are anointed. In fact, that'd be a great thing to start the day, uh, not only saying, but putting it in the comments today. I am anointed. I am anointed. Put it in the comments. Never doubt it. You are anointed. And so I would start there because, see, some people think, hey, Pam, some people think that, uh, you know, only the ministers, only the pastors, only the evangelists, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, they're the ones that are carrying the anointing of God. No, you are anointed. You've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And because of that, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells or lives in your physical body. There's no question about it. You are anointed. You're anointed to accomplish a purpose. So let me say this, God doesn't do anything without a purpose. So he doesn't anoint you randomly or arbitrarily. He anoints you for a purpose. What's up, Ted and Ashley? Love you guys. There's mama from New York. Love you. He anoints you for a purpose. Very, very important that you catch this because if you just think, well, I'm anointed, but you know, for, I don't know why. I mean, I'm kind of drifting through life. No, you're anointed. See, think of the anointing like equipment. Think of the anointing like a weapon or like a tool. There's a reason you're equipped. There's a reason you've been given tools. There's a reason you've been given weapons. And, um, the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So we, our weapons pull strongholds down. Amen. Our anointing pulls strongholds down. And that's what we're anointed. The same thing Jesus was anointed to do, you're anointed to do. And so the Bible says uh, in uh, 1 John 3, 8, that the son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, the same thing's true of you, wherever you are in the world. You are anointed to destroy the works of the devil, without question. What's up, Rohan in Jamaica? Love you. Alex, here in Florida. Love you, buddy. Um, So catch this. You're anointed to destroy the works of the devil, to pull down strongholds. That's what you're anointed to do. And each and every one of you have a purpose. Each and every one of you have a purpose. Thank you, brother Ben. We love you so much. Each and every one of you have an assignment. That's so important to catch that. This thing right here will keep you from drifting through life, throwing life into cruise control. It keeps you from all that. You're anointed. You have a purpose. You have an assignment. 
In fact, just to, as a recognition, put it in the comments. I have an assignment. I want you to put that in. I have an assignment. That's massive thought. Because, you know, there's plenty of Christians who don't believe they do. They just think it's, well, whatever I can figure out, whatever I can do in life, God bless me if I can, if I can't, whatever. No, there's a specific assignment laid out for your life. This is huge. This is huge. Um, I'll say it this way. Because Paul said it this way. Um, each one of us are part of the body of Christ. But remember this, we are members in particular, the Bible says. Members in particular. Let me uh, let me read this to you. Now, I'm starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I want you to understand the, what Paul's saying, why he's saying it. Because he doesn't want any believer in the body to ever think they're useless. He doesn't want any believer in the body to ever think that they are insignificant. He wants us. I mean, think about your actual body, which is what Paul uses as a, an analogy. You think about your actual body. You can't just start throwing things away that are in your body. You know what I mean? Every part of your body has a purpose. So you can't just start throwing things away out of your body. You can say, well, you know, I have a heart, so I don't need a liver. No, you need both. You need both. Well, you know, I've got lungs, so I don't need kidneys. No, you need both. You need both. You know, so it's like saying, I, ha I have, um, you know, I have a large intestine, so I don't need eyes. No, that's not true. They don't do anywhere close to the same thing but they're both very necessary. See, here's one of the things that I will get into right at the outset that really hurts Christians, hurts believers from accomplishing their purpose and their assignment that God's given them is that they look at themselves, but then they compare what they do and what they are doing to what somebody else is doing. And they look at the fruit of somebody else's life or ministry or business, whatever. And they say, well, look at that. Look at what they're doing. I'm not doing anything like that. And then they get all depressed about their assignment, their purpose. And, they, and then they stop. And then they literally cancel out their own future because of this first dangerous pitfall that we're going to talk about, which is comparison. And I want you to put that in the comments. Number one, the number one dangerous pitfall to be avoided is comparison. It is so dangerous because what it does is it assumes that God doesn't need diversity in the body. They, literally, it, it, it assumes God doesn't need diversity in the body. That's crazy. Of course, God needs people that do different things. Remember this, you're watching this broadcast, but I can't do what you can do and you can't do what I can do because understand this, we're different people. 
We have different knowledge sets, different skill sets. We have different connections. We have different places on the earth that we live, different cultures. I can't do what you can do, and you can't do what I can do. We need each other. We need the whole body of Christ to work because God has given each of us a diverse but important assignment. It's a different but important assignment. And Paul teaches that uh, to the body of Christ in Corinth. And I want you to hear this. Uh, I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14. And then I'm going to read down the chapter a little bit. It's 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14. Listen to this. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye, now listen to this, because this is so important in your purpose, in your life, and as a believer. The eye, verse 21, cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Man, I wish somebody would catch that right there. That is a huge verse of scripture for you to get. Verse 22, 1 Corinthians 12, 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, Paul said. Hallelujah. And and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So I want you to hear this because this is something that's a massive message for the body of Christ to understand. It's stupid of me to compare myself to somebody else because somebody else is not me and and I'm not them. And so when I look at other people's lives, businesses, ministries, when I look at what they're doing for the Lord, when I sit back and begin to compare myself to them, and then because of that comparison, start to consider myself not important or not useful or not fruitful, I am missing it. I am missing what God does through his body on the earth. In fact, I want everybody that's watching this, because this is a great confession to have for yourself. 
I want you to put it in the comment section. I am indispensable. I am indispensable. That's so huge to understand. I can't be thrown away. I am not, I'm, I'm indispensable. I cannot be uh, discarded, if you will. And I wish every member would get that because it would, it would literally, it would take care of a lot of depression, take care of a lot of anxiety. It would take care of a lot of worry, a lot of people that were wanting to quit, all of those things. If we just learned, I am indispensable. I'm important. God's created me with a purpose. And I can't compare that purpose with someone else's purpose. So very important. I want to show you this. Because when people start comparing, it's when they start losing focus of what they should be doing. Look at this. I'll say that again because it's important. When we start comparing ourselves with each other, comparison is the thing that stops action. Comparison is the thing that stops action. Because the more time you spend comparing, (laughs) the less time you spend working for the Lord. This includes judging. I heard a preacher say this, internationally known preacher. I'll never forget it. He said, I've got too much to do for the Lord. He said, I'm too busy running my race to stop and judge someone else's race. Think about that. Because Paul said that our lives are are like races that we run to, to obtain the prize. This minister said, I'm too busy running my race to stop and judge somebody else's race. I can't do it. I'm too busy with what God's called me to do. I'm too busy doing what he's anointed me to do. And so the thing that I cannot do is while I'm while I'm running, while I'm working, while I'm doing what God anointed me to do, what a mistake to stop and start looking at somebody else and start wondering, well, how come I'm not like them? How come I don't have what they have? How come I'm not doing what they're doing? It would be just as foolish, Paul said, for the ear to say that to the eye or the foot to say that to the hand. You know, you can't you can't start cutting parts out of the body as though they're not needed. No, it's a foolish thing to do. Every part has a purpose. You have a purpose. You've got an assignment. And one of the major pitfalls, and I do mean major, because the more I travel, the more I see people minister, the more I see people live in the kingdom of God, one thing I know is that the devil, he tries to disconnect you from what you're supposed to be doing and get you to look at what other people are doing and then wish that that's what you were doing. Huh. And I'm going to go further with this. It's going to blow people's minds. But as you compare, let me show you something. Um, Paul taught this to the Corinthians again. This is 2 Corinthians. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves but when they measure themselves by one another 
and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. One translation says they are unwise. So when you compare yourselves among yourselves, the Bible says it's unwise. It's unwise. Why? Because you're not called to be somebody else. You're called to be who God made you to be. And so the moment we stay in this, and the devil does a great job at this, trying to get us. And it's, let me just say something. It's easier than it's ever been (laughs) to fall into the trap of comparison. Thank you, social media, because you have now made it easier than it has ever been to fall into the trap of comparison. And one of the things people are doing is that they're scrolling. They're literally scrolling their Instagram feed. They're watching their stories. They're watching Snapchat stories. They're scrolling their Facebook. They're looking at different things. And they're saying, look at everybody else's life. Look at everybody else's purpose. Oh, look at his church. Oh, look at her business. Oh, look at and everything. Social media has made it so simple for us to compare ourselves among ourselves and to start to become dissatisfied. You know, they're actually proving that now people are getting social media anxiety because they feel this pressure that their life should look like somebody else's life on social media and they feel an anxiety when it doesn't measure up. I heard somebody say this. I'll never forget it. They said, why would you um, compare your practice sessions to somebody else's highlight reel. Now that is a word for somebody today. You need to catch it. Don't compare your practice sessions to someone else's highlight reel. <laughs> Don't compare your practice sessions. I'll give you another I'll give you another example. You know, now we have all these filters that we can use. I had a, a, someone that I talked to recently, they said Uh, this girl just contacted me. She wants to start staying in touch with me, but she sent me a picture of herself. And uh, she said, she's going to be at the church tomorrow uh, in the services. And uh, we said, well, do you know, would you be able to know, would you recognize her if you saw her outside of social media? He said, honestly, I don't know if I would know which girl she was because she used so many filters on the picture that she sent me. I don't know if I could actually identify her in real life. And that's really, in a nutshell, that's really what uh, social media does. It presents all of our very best uh, moments presented. That's why we call it a highlight reel. And people then, you know what they do? They look at some social media influencer that's doing makeup or whatever and taking selfies in perfect lighting with perfectly done makeup, with perfect background, perfect everything. And then you go after, you know, you look at it in bed, you get out of bed and go look at yourself in the mirror. And then you get all upset. Well, I don't look like that girl on Instagram. Well, remember something. She spent all that time getting ready. She spent all that time doing perfect makeup, all that time with perfect lighting, all that time with great photography, all that time with a perfect background. You're looking at yourself in natural light or a fluorescent light under a mirror with no makeup, just rolling out of bed. Don't compare your practice sessions with somebody's highlight reel. And people do that with everything. They do it with everything. They do it with ministry. They do it with business, they do it with family, and comparison is killing people. It's killing people. That's why it's unwise to compare yourselves among yourselves. You know, it's like now, if you're a mom or whatever, you look at all these other moms on Instagram, these Instagram moms, 
It's like perfect dinners on the table. Everything's in place. You've got a beautiful dining table. All the utensils get a nice centerpiece. All the meals look perfectly presented like they just came out of a chef's kitchen. And like the kids are all sitting there in their polo shirts, smiling up at mom as she puts the dinner down. And then you sweep your eyes away from your phone to your house where like, you know, your daughter is like hanging your son by his shirt on a nail on the wall. And, you know, there's crayon all over the place and there's Legos on the floor. And, you know, you're just pulling hamburger helper off the stove. It's like, like, what in the world? What in the world? Don't compare your practice sessions with somebody else's highlight reel. Understand what I'm saying? Comparison is not always true. You look at somebody, what you think they're doing, what you think they have. I'll give you one of the, uh, something that'll make you laugh. Back in the nineties, there was a show on television. It was on MTV that was very popular. It was called MTV Cribs. Some of y'all may remember the show. Some of you may not remember it. Basically what the show was, was MTV took a camera crew and would go to all these uh, celebrities' homes. And what they would do, they wanted to show you how celebrities lived. So they would take you to their crib and they would go inside the home. They would show you all their furniture, show you the inside of their home out back. They'd take you into the garage. They'd show you all their cars. You know, there were rappers that were showing you all their stuff. They saw all their jewelry they were wearing, grills, all that stuff. And then you find out later, years later, a lot of that stuff wasn't even theirs. I mean, we're sitting there. I want to live like that. I want to have that. And you're looking at that and that's not even their stuff. Like it came out later that uh, there were people that were, um, they were like rented the house for the show, leased the house for the show, had rented cars, had rented jewelry to wear, wasn't even their stuff. It was like, it's an illusion. And so we're sitting here going like, oh man, I wish I could live like they live. They don't even live like that. They don't even live like that. They don't even have those things. So you, you, you understand comparison's a killer. That's why the Bible teaches us to stay away from it and not to make ourselves try to look like somebody else because I don't need to look like somebody else. I need to, I need to look like who God made me to be. And so in the, in the natural realm, one of the things that's crushing people is this area of, well, how I don't. I might as well just lay it up, lay it down because I don't look like them. I'm not producing what they're producing. I don't have what they have. I'm not, you know, doing what they're, and what happens is it becomes a, uh, a discouragement. And then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to hang it up. I'm just going to quit because I, I can't do it as well as they do it. God didn't call you to do it like they do it. He didn't even call you to do what they do. He called you to do what he called you to do. I have an assignment. I have a purpose and I can't get outside of that purpose. Cannot get outside of that purpose. Well, then this leads us into number two because number two is also very dangerous and it stems from number one. So let me show you how they lead into each other. It's like a snowball effect. It's a trap. Are you ready for this? Number two, when you are comparing pride enters in. Sometimes people allow pride to enter in and say, well, if they can do that, I can do that. If she can do that, I can do that. And so here's what happens. And it's dangerous is that we look at someone else's purpose that we'd rather be walking in 
And we say, well, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it too. And then we step out and start trying to accomplish things that other people are doing. But watch this. It's stuff that God never told us to do. Hugely dangerous. Hugely dangerous. So number two is not pride, but number two stems from pride. It is this. Number two is doing things God never called you to do. That's what number two is. It stems from pride, but it's this. Number two, doing things outside of your purpose. Doing things outside of your purpose. And let me show you what I mean by that. In Psalm 127, listen to what the Bible says. Because this is a big lesson for everybody to learn. I'm so glad that I've learned it. The Bible says in Psalm 127, listen to verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So think about that. The moment you do something that God's not building in your life, you are now working in vain. Oh man, catch that, catch that. That right there is as heavy as anything I'm going to say today. You need to, you need to hear it. The moment I start doing things God never told me to do, my work is in vain. Oh man, this is something I wish everybody could hear and get. The moment I start doing something the Lord never told me to do, or because I'm comparing myself to somebody and saying, well, he's doing it, she's doing it, and if she can do it, I can do it. And if he can do it, I can do it. The moment we start doing that, we go outside of our instruction from the Lord, and what happens? Now, that work is in vain. Now, let me show you what happens to people who do that. When you step outside, well, let me start with inside. When you're doing what God did call you to do, When you're doing what he did instruct you to accomplish, guess what? He'll provide your strength. He'll provide the open doors. He'll provide the resources. He'll give you all the provision you need to get it done. These are signs, by the way. These are signs that you're doing what God's called you to do. He's giving you the strength. He's giving you the wisdom. He's providing the connections. He's giving you the provision. Everything's flowing as God is doing what or building in you what he's told told you to build or called you to do. But the moment you step outside of his instruction, then you are responsible for your own strength, your own wisdom, your own connections. You have to open your own doors You have to provide your own provision. Think about that. And what happens is people burn out because they're doing things the Lord never told them to do. They burn out because what happens is they saw someone else doing it and they were like, I can do that too. I will do that. I'll give you an example. When people in ministry, you know, in ministry, if a minister were to see somebody else doing something 
and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. I'll give you an example. If, um, if for example, God anointed a ministry to go on television and said, you're to go on TV and preach the gospel on television. Well, if he told them to do it, guess what? He is going to give them all the resources necessary. He'll, he'll attach to them people that can facilitate television broadcasts. He will provide the resources. He'll open the doors. The finances will come in to pay the bills if it's God's uh, plan for that ministry. But then if another minister looks at him and says, well, if he can go on television, I can go on. Well, if God didn't tell you to go on television, then don't go. Because what happens is if it's not his order for your life or his assignment and you just want to do it, you're going to have to come up with the finances. You're going to have to come up with the help. You're going to have to, everything that it takes to do that work, you'll have to come up with on your own. And it takes extra strength, takes extra focus, takes extra resources. And you're all trying to do it in the flesh. And that burns you out. Let me just say something. The easiest thing that any Christian could ever do is to just be led by the spirit and to follow the voice of the Holy Ghost. Because if you'll just do that, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you're carrying a heavy burden, if you've got a heavy yoke upon your neck, you might be doing something God never called you to do. You might have entered into something that you thought you wanted to do, but God wasn't in it. And Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord is building the house, they labor in vain that build it. They labor in vain that build it. And so I want to encourage you with this. Don't ever take on a task. Don't ever start a business. Don't ever start a ministry. Don't even start something as small as a podcast. If the Lord's not in it for you. Well, so-and-so's got a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast. Well, so-and-so did this. I'm going to do this. Well, so-and-so's got this. I'm going to... No, if God didn't lead you to do it, if it's not your assignment, if it's not your purpose, don't get involved in it. I like what Bishop David Oyedepo says in Nigeria. He says, unless God can give it to me, may I never have it. Unless God can take me there, may I never arrive. And unless God told me to do it, let it remain undone. Now that right there is a powerful thought. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. There's people that are striving and struggling to get things in the natural realm, to have things, to have cars, to have jewelry, to have houses, to have all this stuff. But unless God can give it to you. See, there's people that struggle and work to the bone to get things. Their desire is to have things. But if God can't give it to you, may you never have it. There's things that I have now that I didn't struggle and strain to get them. God just gave them to me. God just gave them to me. Things that other people are like, I got to struggle. I got to I gotta get. I, and not even thinking about it. You know why? Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Think about that. All these things will be added unto you. They'll just be added. You know, when people call you up 
and say, the Lord told me to give you this. I was focused on doing what the Lord, I remember it's not long ago, just even with the desires of your heart. If you just focus on your kingdom purpose, all the other stuff that you're looking for in life, desiring, clothing, food, stuff, whatever you need, a place to stay. If you'll just do God's will, God will make sure. God will make sure you're blessed. I can remember. And like God God knows the desires of your heart. I can remember um, a few years ago, I really got into sneakers. I started really liking sneakers a lot, especially retro Jordans. And it wasn't long after uh, I had started liking that stuff and put my heart on. Well, I, I had gotten a couple of pairs, but then like people started buying me. Like literally God would send people. They'd say, I, I felt to get you this, or I felt to buy you this. And then I had, before I knew it, I had like 14 pairs of dead stock Jordans sitting in my closet. But it's only because it was the desire of my heart. I wasn't struggling to get it. I wasn't striving to make it happen. You know, some of those, for those of you that aren't sneakerheads that don't understand, some of those pairs can drop. They'll drop at like 500, you know, they drop at normal price, but they're so rare. They immediately go to 500, $600 a pair, sometimes more. But I'm not struggling, striving to have those things happen. But then people start coming. I say, I felt to get you this, felt to get you this. Now I'm sitting there with 14 boxes of them in my closet and I'm sitting at a, a revival service and the Lord says, what are you going to do with all those shoes? And I, you know, I was just thinking, yeah, I'm blessed. Lord said, now sew them all. So here's the key. You have to make sure no thing ever has you. No thing should ever have you. And so I went, sewed all of them, sewed all of them, came back to the church here in, in uh, Margate, Abundant Life Church. And uh, I asked Minister Reese to find everybody in the church that, that wore size 12. And I just sewed all of them. I kept one pair for myself, sewed 13 pairs. And then I had people over for dinner after that later on. And the Lord said, give that last pair to this guy that's at your house for dinner. So all of them went out there. And not a thing bothered me. I still have people calling me. Lord told me to buy you these shoes, buy you these shoes. And they're coming in. It's, it's seed time and harvest, but I'm not struggling to get it. Same with watches, anything else you like. If you'll seek the kingdom and his righteousness, all the other stuff is just added unto you. It's just added. It's just added. Job 36, 11, the Bible says, if they'll just obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So sometimes people do it because they just want to be seen, want to have things, want to look big time. But the problem is they're not doing anything for the Lord. Focus on doing what your assignment is. All the other stuff is added. All of the other stuff is added unto you. And I promise you that if you'll stay on top of what God called you to do for your assignment, there's no end to the provision that comes. There's no end. There's no end. Amen. There's no end to the provision that comes when you're doing what God called you to do in your assignment. And I could give you story after story of things that have opened up anytime I've ever done anything for the Lord that he told me to do. When I went on radio, God immediately sent people to me, paid all the bills. I didn't have to struggle to get it done because God's the one who said, go on the radio. I had no plans to do that on my own. No plans, no plans. And people showed up. The moment the Lord told me to start live streaming all of our services years ago when live streaming first became a thing, 
Um, I started believing God. I said, yep, if God wants me to do it, it'll come to pass. I was going to get cameras and all the gear. And one person wrote a check and paid for the camera, all the stuff that we needed. I didn't have to struggle a day. Didn't have to stand in front of people. Um, you know, I didn't have to stand toward in front of people and say, here's what we're believing God to do. How many could give a $5? None of that. None of that. People just came. And because God told me to do it, because it was part of uh, the assignment God had given me, it, the provision was just there. It continues to happen over and over and over. Because when you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these other things are added to you. And Ann says, how, how would you, how would one know what God wants you to do? That's where fasting and prayer comes in. You have to be somebody that actually communicates, uh, to God and with God, you need to hear his voice. He needs to speak to you. And so you have to have that time of prayer. Paul said, never cease praying. You have to be in an attitude of prayer in a place where God can speak to you at any time. You've got to hear the voice of God. You've got to be led by the spirit of God. So number one, comparison is, is a pitfall. Number two, doing what God never told you to do is a massive pitfall. See, rather than trying to promote yourself, let God promote you. Let God promote you. You know, I heard, um, I think it was also Bishop Oedepo that said this. He said, there's all kinds of pastors and ministers that they want God to promote them to the next level of, let's say, let's say for example, a pastor, because he's a pastor, and I think he was speaking to pastors. He said, if you've got a member, now he has a member, he has a church membership that's like, you know, on Sunday, in all the services he's doing, he's preaching to like half a million people. His building holds 55,000, 40,000 outside in a tent every service. And they have like five or six services. So he said, there's pastors that they want God to, take them from a thousand member church or a 500 member church to a thousand member church. And their whole focus is getting to a thousand members, getting to a thousand members, getting to a thousand members. He said, when their real focus now, now catch this, cause it's a very important principle. Their real focus should be being as faithful as they can possibly be to the 500 members God's given them. And Bishop said, that's the key that takes you into promotion because your promotion doesn't come until God sees that your faithful over little makes you ruler over much. Makes you, it, it doesn't happen because you strive for, for promotion. It doesn't happen because you strive for a greater level. It happens because you're faithful over where you are. And when you're faithful over this, he makes you ruler over the next level. So he said, instead of people uh, if, for example, if you're a pastor with 500 members, let me say if you're a pastor on here that has 100 members or 200 members, your goal should not be, I got to get to 500, I got to get to 1,000. Your goal should be, Lord, make me the most faithful pastor over 200 people that ever existed on the face of the earth. And see, when God looks at your faithfulness, if you're faithful over little, he makes you ruler over much. That's what God, you know why? Let me tell you why. God cares for his sheep. That's why. So if all you're looking for is growth in number, but not growth in care, why would God, for example, if God loves his children, let's say about in the natural realm, if God loves children, which he does, why would he put in my house 
Why would he give me 20 children if I can't care for five children? So what's going to happen is the other 15 children in my house are going to get neglected because I don't have enough money. I mean, I, I do, but like say somebody doesn't, you know, they don't have enough money to buy food for all those children. They don't have mon- enough money to clothe all those children. They don't have enough money to house all those children. And so you might have enough for five, but 20 would put such a stress and strain on your provision that 15 of those really CPS would take them away from you because they don't have enough to eat. They don't have enough to wear. You understand? And God loves his children more than a human loves their children. So why would he entrust a pastor with a thousand of his sheep, of his children, if the pastor is not even faithful enough to take care of a hundred of his children? Think about that for a minute. Why would, a, why would God give a pastor more than he could care for? He can't and he won't. He loves his children, loves his sheep too much to let them go into a place and be neglected because all the pastor was looking for was numbers on the on the paper. Well, we have a thousand coming on Sunday morning. So what? 900 of them are neglected. 900 of them aren't taken care of. 900 of them aren't stewarded well. They're not discipled. They don't they're not growing in faith. 900 of them are no not even connected to the church, not even connected. You know how you know that pastors that have built for numbers, you know how you know when they're really it, it's a lot of its numbers is when you can't care enough for your sheep for them to be properly discipled, to make them a core of the church where they are actually connected to the church. As I travel, the thing that shows me that is if I go on a Sunday morning and there's 300 people in a church and I come back for a Sunday night service that they don't normally have because they most of them do Sunday morning only. If I come back to a Sunday night service and there's 90 people there, that shows me that the ones that are there on Sunday morning are the ones that are punching their uh, card, you know, got my church in for the week, got my spirituality in for the week, but they're not really on fire. They're not truly discipled. They're not really connected. They're not really hungry. That's why you go from 300 on a Sunday morning to 90 on a Sunday night. If you're just building for growth, it's a problem. And so that's what happens is that many times our pride, we want the big numbers. We want the big vision. We want the big view. We want the big Instagram pictures. But the truth is you've got to be faithful to care for God's flock. That's what God sees and brings the increase to. If you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. God cares for his sheep. He cares for his children, doesn't want to see them neglected, does not want to see them abused, does not want to see them go without. And so he's not going to give you something that you can't handle. You see that? He's not going to just give you something that you can't handle. And that's a very important point. So number one is people compare. Number two, they bite off more than they can chew doing something God never told them to do. And then let me give you number three before we pray today. And it's also vitally important. Number three, the third thing that happens is that people see a measure of success and throw their life and ministry and business into cruise control. (laughs) Number three, let let me name it for you so you can put it in the comments. Number three, 
acceptable success. Acceptable success. That is dangerous. I was praying probably three, four years ago, walking my neighborhood and praying. And the Lord said to me, beware of acceptable success. Said that to me. Beware of acceptable success. Well, I'd never heard that term before. Never even heard that term mentioned, let alone read it anywhere. And I said, well, what in the world does that mean? What's acceptable success? And do you know God can use almost anything to talk to you? God can use almost anything to speak to you. You know, the Bible says God used Balaam's ass or his donkey in the Bible to speak to him. God can use almost anything to speak to you. And so during that time, I was reading some business books along with ministry books, and I and I, I picked up one of the business classics that I'm sure many of you have read. It's a, a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. Good to Great. It's a, it's a business classic. And I'm reading through this book, Good to Great. Now, the Lord's already spoken to me and said, beware of acceptable success. So I'm reading through this book by Jim Collins, you know, Good to Great, which is, you know, everybody knows that book. And something hit me. He said something in the book that immediately snapped me back to what the Lord spoke to me in prayer. And he said, the reason, now catch this. He said, the reason that the majority of companies or corporations never become great companies and great corporations is because they're satisfied with being good companies and good corporations. Let that sink in to your spirit. I mean, as I said, God, that's not, I wasn't reading the Bible, but God spoke to me in prayer, but reading this confirmed it. It it helped me to understand what that term even meant. Beware of acceptable success. If you understand that in God's kingdom, there's no limit to the increase God can put on your life. If you're faithful, if you're obedient, think of it. There's no limit to the level of increase and blessing that God can place on your life, business, ministry, family, no limit, none. It's all according to what you're faithful enough to do for him. When I I saw that, it let me understand what the Lord was speaking to me in prayer. Beware of acceptable success. That means there's a level you can get to where people will be like, you know what? I've made it. I've made it. Now I can stop pressing. Now I can stop pushing for more. Now I can stop believing God for growth. Now, And what they do is they get to that level of success that they consider to be acceptable And then they throw it into cruise control. Oh man, this is massive. Catch this today. Catch this today. This is a pitfall that will destroy the purpose of your life. Because though God has much more for you, you've said in your heart, this is enough. (laughs) Oh man, come on. I mean, think of it this way. Imagine if there was a machine in front of you that was dispensing cash, you know, bill by bill. 
and you're standing there and you, you recognize that every time you hit the lever, a $100 bill comes out. Boom, $100 bill. Boom, $100 bill. And you stand there and you hit that lever until you're, you've got a bag full of $1 million in $100 bills. And you said, man, that's good. Now I'm a millionaire now. I am a millionaire now. I've always wanted to be a millionaire. Now I am one. And you take the duffel bag and you walk away. But how insane would it be to find out that if you remove the wall from the dispenser and looked at the supply, there was enough to make you a trillionaire. Forget a millionaire, $1 million. What if you look behind the wall and said, there's enough resource in there to make me a trillionaire? Trillionaire. How would you keep on pressing the button? Would you keep on standing there? Having done all to stand, stand there for, would you continue standing? Would you continue pressing, pressing in, standing and pressing, standing and pressing, standing and pressing? Yes, you would, because you'd know there's no limit to how high I can go. Because as you keep on pressing, as you keep on standing, more comes, more comes, more comes. What happens is hunger is lost and people get enough that's acceptable to them and then they stop pressing. They stop standing. They throw it into cruise control. And, and listen, listen, here's where the danger comes. Beware, not just of acceptable success, but beware of comfortability. I don't even know if that's a word. I think it is. <laughs> comfortability. Being comfortable. What, what do I mean by that? It's a dangerous thing to just get comfortable in your purpose, in your calling, in your anointing. Don't be comfortable in your family. Don't be comfortable in your business. Don't be comfortable in your ministry. Don't be comfortable in your life with Christ. Don't get comfortable. Say, well, you know what? And here's the, here's the dangerous thing is that some people, once they get to the place where their needs are met and where they have enough to do just kind of the things they want to do, I'm telling you, I've seen this a hundred times. They have, let me give you an example. Don't, tr- oh, man, write this down. Don't treat your calling like a career. This is a lesson. Don't treat your calling like a career. A career can be retired from, but a calling is for life. Doesn't matter how old you get. Till you go home to be with the Lord, your calling is for life. Don't treat your calling like a career. Because see what happens is then you become a hireling. You treat it like a like it's a, a job. And then you like, well, I'm 65. Time to retire from my calling. Well, I'm just going to go on vacation for the rest of my life. You might as well just go to heaven. Just go to heaven then. Just go to heaven because you're not, and I'm not saying that you can't, you know, that your purpose doesn't change. I mean, Lester Summerall taught that from the age of 30 to 60, you're in your production years from the age of 60 to 90, you know, or, or, or from whatever age you start to 30, you're in your learning years, 30 to 60 production years, 60 to 90, you're in your impartation years or duplication years where you're duplicating yourself and others on the earth. I'm not saying that you're, you're, uh, seasons don't change. I'm saying for you to just completely throw down and say, well, I'm all done. Go to heaven then. 
You've run your race, finished your course, then go be with the Lord. But if you're on the earth, there's something to do. If you're on the earth, there's something to accomplish. Don't throw it into cruise control. Don't throw it. And what people do is they treat their calling like a career and then they retire from it and they let it go. I love what Brother Shambach used to say, and he preached till he died. Brother Hagin preached till he died. Brother Allen preached till he died. You understand? If you've got a calling, you've got a calling. It's not a career. And uh, Brother uh, brother Shambach used to say, old, old preachers don't die. We just blaze away like a fire. We just blaze away. He used to say, the only retire I got is the four new ones I got on my car. Retire. <laughs> Put all the new tires on. As long as you're on the earth, there's something God's anointed you to do. As long as you're on the earth. Don't be satisfied with where you are. My grandfather put it in a great way. My grandfather was a wordsmith and he came up with this. He used to say it all the time and people would be confused, but I'll break it down. I've said it on the broadcast before. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. What does that mean? It means I'm happy about where God has brought me from but I know I'm not done yet. So I still have a dissatisfied satisfaction knowing that there's more that God has for me and I'm moving toward that. I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm thankful for where I am. Thankful I'm not where I started, but I'm also not going to stop here. There's more for me. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. And that's how every one of us should be. Knowing, thank God I'm not where I was 10 years ago. Thank God I'm not where I was five years ago. Thank God I'm not where I was last year. But guess what? I'm not stopping here. I'm not done. It's never ending increase for us in Jesus name. It's violent increase. It's expedited favor for God's children in Jesus mighty name. We're not stopping here. We're moving forward. Faith always moves forward. We're, there's always more press stand press. There's always more. Don't get comfortable. Don't get satisfied. You know, it's, it's, it's dangerous when you get to the place where like, well, I've got enough now where I can pay all my bills and I've got some in savings and, you know, I can go on vacation two times a year and go the places I like and eat the foods I want and take all my family. where. I, and then what happens is people get comfortable in that lifestyle and they don't need to push for more because everything they want to do to be happy is done. But it's not about just being happy. It's about accomplishing your full purpose for the Lord, accomplishing your full purpose. I mean, I think about the thing right now that, you know, I'm not just, uh, you know, feeding my children, but we're feeding, you know, hundreds of kids around the world. Well, if I got comfortable when it was like, well, I'm, you know, my whole family's doing well, we're blessed, we overflow, you know, whatever it might be, I'm not done with my family. I'm going to be a blessing to many families. I'm not just going to provide Christmas for my family. I'm going to provide Christmas for many families, Thanksgiving for many families, food for many families. I'm blessed to be a blessing. And the more I'm blessed, the more I can bless others. There's never, never a place where you stop and say, well, I've done everything I can do. No, till you die and go to heaven, you've not done everything you can do. Because never-ending increase is available to every believer in the body of Christ. Don't throw your life on cruise control. Say, well, I've had, you know, it makes me think of the, remember the movie, the movie series, the Rocky movie series? 
Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, Rocky 5, Rocky 6, Rocky 7, Rocky 8, Rocky 9, Rocky in the nursing home. Well, it makes me remember, you know, that the storyline that they gave us, that when Rocky Balboa was young, he was hungry. He was just a street dude from Philly. He was hungry to fight. He was hungry to win. He trained like nobody's business. He would take a beating in the ring. He didn't care. He didn't care. You know, he fought Apollo Creed. Apollo was like, this dude is insane. He just takes a beating, keeps coming back. I don't understand him. He comes back, fights. Then what starts to happen? After Rocky 1, after Rocky 2, something very interesting happens. He starts making a lot of money. He's got the mansion. He's got the, he's got the cars. He's got the everything. Got the endorsement deals. All this stuff. He's the champ. He's at the top of his game and all this stuff. And then there's other hungry people coming up. Mr. T, Clubber Lang, is hungry coming up. In movie four, the Russian guy comes over. Uh, Drake, what was his name? Drago? Ivan Drago. And, and these guys are hungry. They're coming up. But what happens? His manager realizes you've lost your hunger. His manager realizes you've lost your fire. And so what, what does he start doing? Which Rocky is, is ticked off to find out. He started just scheduling puff fights for him guys that would be easy to beat why because he knows he knows he's lost his hunger knows he's lost his fire and if i put you in the ring with somebody that's really hungry that's really been going after it you're going to get destroyed because your mind is no longer there your heart's no longer in it the fire's not in your eyes anymore and so he's fighting all these puff guys that you know don't matter and and then mr t starts harassing him verbally you know calling talking to him, talking to his wife until Rocky realizes that, you know what? I've lost it. And he has to train again and get hungry again, get the fire back in his eyes again to come back and win. It's a perfect analogy to understand for the body of Christ because there's people, God blesses them to a degree and they, they get comfortable that they have. They're no longer having to like believe and literally go from miracle to miracle just to make it their bills are all paid there's extra in the bank you know all these different things and they don't realize their need for the assistance of god like they used to they don't recognize their need for the the power of god like they used to and that's why jesus said to his disciples it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven why because when you speak to them they don't feel like they need anything else than what they have they don't see the need for their for heavenly assistance. They don't see the need for God to touch them and God to use them. They don't see the need for any of that. Like, I got it all covered. I don't need anything else. I don't need help from anybody. I don't need assistance. And the Lord said that. It's it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you they have to see their need for a savior. They have to see their need for help from heaven. Don't ever let yourself get to the place where you're comfortable and think you've got it made. You say, well, you know what? I don't need any help. I don't need anybody. I've got it all together. Got plenty of money. No, we need it. There was times where people would fast and pray. In the past, they'd press in. They'd be in the word. They'd be going to every revival. They'd be getting hands laid on them. Then they get a little bit of blessing, get a little bit of increase, a little bit of overflow. And what do they do? They start laying off. No, they don't pray like they used to. They don't fast like they used to. They don't study like they used to. They don't go to church like they used to. They don't go to catch impartation like they used to because now I got it made. Now I got it made. You understand? And so they sit around just, uh, I mean, it's, it, it blows my mind to watch as people lose the fire. Don't lose 
the fire. I love how Norman put it in New Brunswick. I am nothing without Christ. That's exactly what you have to remember. Without him, we are nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. It is time to press in and understand that you are anointed. You have a purpose. You've got your own assignment. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Do not bite off more than you can chew or do what God never told you to do and never get to the place of increase where you you say, you know what? I've got it made. I don't need to press in anymore. I'm comfortable. Don't get, those are three things that destroy the assignment of believers, that destroy the purpose and the anointing of believers. Don't allow it to happen to you. I'm going to pray for every person that's watching and listening because now's the time. Now is the time to press in to God, to your purpose in Holy Ghost, to your assignment from the Lord like you never have. It's time to get fired up again. The last quarter of this year is going to be supernatural. God's going to use you and he's going to use me to see his purpose and plan come to pass on the earth. So I want you to pray with me and I want you to believe God that now's the time to be caught on fire like never before. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man, every woman that's watching the broadcast or listening on the podcast today. I pray that you would set a fire in their belly. First of all, Lord, we ask you to keep us away from the trap of comparison. Always keep it in our spirit that comparing ourselves among ourselves is an unwise thing to do. We will never compare to others. We'll never become dissatisfied with our lives and assignments because of something we see in somebody else's life. Lord, keep us in a place where we are constantly seeking your face, constantly listening for your voice to do what you've called us to do. Empower us to accomplish our purpose in Jesus' name. We'll never step outside of your leading. We'll never step out, step outside of your guidance in Jesus' name. Let us clearly hear your voice and not do anything you didn't instruct us or command us to do. And then number three, Lord, never let us become comfortable. Never let us fall asleep. Let us continue to stand and continue to press and to go higher and higher and higher until Jesus comes. For it's your word that declares that the path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And so we declare it. We will shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Our path will increase until Jesus comes or until we die. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section and let me know that you're standing with me today, believing and receiving. And let me encourage you to sow a seed today by faith. Many of you have jumped on board to partner with Carolyn and with me as we get ready to do the largest things we've ever done for the kingdom, getting ready to go on television around the world, getting ready to do some, I got some announcements coming in the next few days, going to blow your mind, but you're standing with us. Many of you have jumped on board and you're standing in partnership. For those that haven't, let me encourage you. Would you consider standing with this ministry at $85 a month or more? what would be considered maybe the price of a cable bill or a cell phone bill to stand with us and believe. Not only will, will we feed the hungry and be a blessing to those around the world, but this gospel will go out before it's too late. You're partnering with us. We're doing it as the family of God. 
as the family of God. And so here's what you got to do. Information's on the screen. Easiest thing to do is to just go to miracleword.com and partner right there on the website. You can do it on the give page. You can do it on the partner page. Standing with us on a monthly basis to believe God for souls to be saved. If you're in the United States, you can use Cash App or Venmo. You can use PayPal. And if you're on Twitter or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate in the comments section as Brother Ben did earlier in the broadcast to sow a seed right there. But let me say this. For everybody that is partnering with us in the month of August, we want to give you what I consider to be one of the most powerful books ever written on the subject of the gifts of the Spirit by Dr. Lester Sumrall. Uh, This book is a Pentecostal classic, and it's our gift to you in the month of August that are standing at $85 a month or more, and uh, we want to bless you with it. It will be a blessing to you, and it really explains, and this is a man who did this throughout his entire life and ministry, proficiently operated in the gifts of the Spirit, all nine gifts. And you'll learn things that you've never, ever seen before in that book. I'm excited because my father's got a book coming out very soon on the gifts of the Spirit. uh, And I believe he's one of the premier men, if not the premier man in uh, the world that's operating. I've seen him and watched him for my entire life operate proficiently in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. God's given him revelation about the gifts of the Spirit that I've never heard anywhere else. And so my father's new book, The Camels Are Coming, is going to be phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to that as well. We're going to send you Dr. Lester Summerall's book. And for those of you that are standing with Carolyn and me, sowing large seeds, which does matter, people partnering in a large way, it matters to impact the kingdom. If you feel in your spirit to sow $1,000 or more, uh, people are sowing from their businesses, from their churches, their ministries, personally. If you'll sow $1,000 or more, we're going to do this. We're going to not only send you the book by Dr. Lester Summerall, but this is the Life Application Study Bible in genuine leather. This is one of the greatest study tools that I've seen in the last few years. It's the best-selling study Bible on the market uh, it's very it's very hard to get these genuine leather ones because people don't buy them, so they don't make them as much. But we have a partnership with Tyndale Publishing House who makes these, and we're going to send you a genuine leather life application study Bible as well as a hard copy of Further Faster, my brand new book, How to uh, Accelerate Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. And these are limited edition hardcover copies with a dust jacket This is going to be included as well. So you'll you'll receive those three gifts for your seat of $1,000 or more in the month of August. And I say a big thank you um, to everybody that's standing with us and partnering. means a lot to me that you are. We love you. Appreciate the victory, Tribe. Amen. Amen. I'm just looking at some of the comments now. I love you guys, man. Praise God, Ryan, for that testimony. God's moving, man. Gets me excited to see what he's doing. I've got some. Uh, I've got some awesome stuff I want to share with you. I'm restraining myself because I can't share it yet. But in the next maybe week or so, I'm going to give you some big announcements that are very exciting that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. God has blessed us abundantly, and um, He just keeps on increasing us. It's exciting that we are literally standing in a place with uh, no debt. We owe no man anything. We're literally in a place where God's blessed us to be a blessing, um, and we're just continuing to impact the world. And this year, in a year, let me just say it this way. I'll do it in a vague way. 
in a way, in a year where others may look at it and say, well, you know, 2020 looks like it was pretty much canceled in a year that looked like a down year where some diminished and some lost ground. We've taken more ground in this one year than we have. And by the time we get to the end of the year, we will have taken more ground than probably all years combined in Miracle Word Ministries. And God, by his mighty right hand, he gets all the glory. I don't I don't get the glory. Nobody on the, on the staff gets the glory. No partners get the glory. God gets it all. By his mighty right hand, he's lifted us up and blessed us abundantly. And I'm so very excited. I'm telling you, I'm so very excited. These last four months of the year are going to be so impactful. I'm laughing already because I know what God's going to do. It's so supernatural. And uh, so I want to be the one to say thank you. Uh, I say it a little differently because I believe a little differently. And and I I hope you understand this. Um, I never will say, and I never have said, um, thank you to the partners of this ministry because without you, this ministry would be impossible. That's not true. God is the source of this ministry, as you well know. God gets the glory. No partner gets the glory for this ministry. No, I don't get the glory. My wife, our, our staff, none of us take the glory from God. I never say, well, without you, we couldn't do anything we're doing. That's not true because if it wasn't you, God would have to raise up someone else because it's his plan. It's his agenda. So the, the one who gets the glory truly is God. It's by his mighty right hand that all these things are happening. Of course, yes, we appreciate every one of you. We love our partners. We pray for you. But I want you to understand this because it's a principle. God gets all the glory for any good thing that ever happens for us. It's not ever a man. It's not ever a group of people that get the honor or the glory. God gets it because without him, there is no increase. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the East or the West or the South but promotion comes from the Lord and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. That's Psalm 75 verses six and seven. So I love you. I appreciate you. But can we take a minute to throw some hands for those that are still sticking around on the broadcast in these final moments? I know people have to go and do their thing, but listen, in these final moments, can we throw some emoji hands in the comments section and give God the praise and give God the thanks for everything he's doing in our lives and in this ministry And I want to say it. Thank you, Lord, for every single blessing that you've poured out on our partners, those that are watching this ministry. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. There is no one who brings the increase but you. You are the source of our provision. You're the source of our strength. You're the source of our promotion. No one else will ever get the glory except you. Lord, you are mighty. There's nobody like you in heaven and earth. You are wonderful. You are great and greatly to be praised. We thank you, Lord. You're the only true and living God. And you're the one who takes all the praise and all the worship and all the glory. And we freely give it to you, knowing that without you, we're nothing. Without you, we would fail. But with you, we cannot fail. Who can be for us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? And the answer to that is nobody. Nobody can be against us because God is for us. I love you guys, man. Thanks for hanging today. We're going to be back again right here tomorrow, 1030 a.m. Don't miss it. I love you. I'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks to everybody that sowed. Thanks to people that are standing with us. We love you a lot. I'll see you again tomorrow morning.
God bless you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.